Not one thing that you or I have done for God will matter on Judgment Day unless we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And when you're redeemed by the blood of Jesus and the Lamb of God, everything you have done in His name will count. Cain, on the other hand, is said to have brought of the fruit of the ground, and there's no evidence of faith in the promises of God. There's no evidence in the preparation. Cain's offering said, I know what you said, but here's what I'm going to give you. Take it or leave it. Cain's offering was an act of religion and not an act of worship. Thank you for listening to the Calhoun Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Mark Abney. Brother Mark preached from Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 13 in his sermon titled, Ways of the World. And now, Brother Mark. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. We're going to be looking in Genesis chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. God had laid on my heart to talk about this subject. The title of this message is called The Ways of the World. In Genesis, which is the book of beginnings, Genesis records the universe, the world, the sun, the moon, the stars, the animals, the plants, and humans, all being created new for the very first time. There's a lot of first things in Genesis. The first man, the first woman, the first commandment of God, the first marriage, the first home, the first sin, the first death, the first sacrifice, the first worship, the first murder, the first curse, and so on. There's a whole bunch of first in Genesis. So if you would, stand with me as we read out of Genesis chapter 4. Let's see if I can get there. Beginning in verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain the worker of, of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of fruit, of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and he fell on his face. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. 
And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength, and you shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Would you pray with me? Father God, may your word speak to us through your spirit that lives in us, through your spirit that's in this place, that we might be drawn to you, that we might be quickened, made alive in your word. Lord, I pray that you do a work in us. Lord, I pray that we can see where we were blinded. And Lord, I pray for every person that is within hearing distance of your word this morning, that if they hear your spirit speaking to them this morning, that they would respond to you. As we preach your word, teach your word, proclaim it. May we not turn from the right or the left, but may we just stand on it and in the truth of it. In all these things, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. And the church said, Amen. you may be seated. In this passage, the Lord gives us a glimpse inside the world's first family, Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve. While there are a great many truths in this passage, one stands out a little bit more. In the life of Cain, I see a portrait of a lost sinner. Cain is a prototype of every sinner who would ever follow the ways of the world. Proverbs 16.25 says this about men, women, children, all people. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end thereof are the ways of death. This verse describes Cain perfectly. It describes a lot the lives of all those who live not by faith, but who walk after the flesh. It's a lifestyle the Bible calls over and over the way of Cain. Jude 11 is a place where that term is used. It says, Woe to them! For they walked in the way of Cain, and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error, and perished in Koran's rebellion. The passage we will study reveals the characteristics of all those who refuse to live according to God's word and his way, and choose to walk in the ways of the world. As we investigate the ways of Cain, let us look at our walk and see if we have any of these characteristics of the ways of the world in us. And if we do, may we repent and turn away from them and turn to the ways of the Lord. In verse 1 through 5, we see the characteristics of the unbelief of the ways of the world. This chapter begins with a picture of great hope. After Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden, they were cast out of the beautiful garden by the Lord in Genesis 3. And God placed an angel with a flaming sword at the entrance of Eden to prevent Adam and Eve from re-entering the garden and tampering with the tree of knowledge of good and evil anymore. Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden and a curse was, was made that they would earn their existence by working the ground. For their food. And some of the younger folks probably have never had to hoe 
a garden or pick weeds. But when I grew up, that's what we did. Uh, all spring and summer, we would hoe and pick weeds. And then in late summer and fall, we was canning all the time. And it was hard work. And if you've ever had to work the ground for substance, it, you know uh, how the curse affects you because uh, the weeds come and, and uh, they never quit. And you're constantly working to, to try to raise some fruits and vegetables. It was not fun. Adam and Eve had a perfect life before they sinned, but after sin, everything changed. Now their lives revolved around hard work, ending drudgery, endless uh, regret. And over the days of walking with the Lord in the cool of the garden, they were over. And they, along with the whole world, was condemned to this life of pain, sorrow, hard work, and eventually death. Hope, well, hope seemed to be out of the picture any longer because the perfect life was gone and it seemed impossible to ever return. But in Genesis 4, the Bible says that Adam knew his wife and she conceived. And suddenly there was hope because there was new life. In the face of certain death, there was a new life, a hope of a new beginning, a promise of a better tomorrow. While we're here, let's look at this word, Adam knew his wife. The word knew means to know fully, to know by experience. The word knew is the biblical word for sex. And Adam and Eve come together in a physical union. But the word new expresses something much more than just sex because it is the biblical definition of that is way deeper than just casual sex. The word know here is a deep connection between a man and a woman. Not like the way sex is viewed in our society today. We live in a culture which has cheapened sex, degraded sex. And most people in our culture, culture believe they can engage in promiscuous sex and still experience long-term satisfaction in their relationship, but that is not true. People engage in, who engage in promiscuous sexual activity without understanding the truth behind what they're doing, there's more to human sexual experience than the physical pleasure. The view of sex that dominates our society is warped and it distorts God's intention in the gift of sex to humanity. When the Bible says that Adam knew his wife, it refers not to just a physical union, but a commitment to know a person and all dimensions of that person, a commitment to study and learn everything there is to know about them, a commitment to love one another, to lay down one's life for another person. It's a union that becomes one flesh, one heart, one goal, one life. It refers to sex in the confines of a commitment of the bonds of marriage. If people brought that understanding into their physical relationships, premarital sex, adultery, and abortion would cease to exist in our society. And God designed marriage for a man and a woman where they would leave their parents and come together and know each other in that way. Well, back to the text. We chased that rabbit. Here we see new life. 
Eve, like billions of her daughters to follow, must have been excited about the baby growing in her womb. I can her imagine calling Adam over and say, here, feel this, he's kicking a little bit, or, or listen, he, you can hear his heartbeat in there. And, and so, uh, uh, so was the, it, it has been for all of time that uh, as men and women come together and they conceive and babies are born and, and carried, that there is joy in bringing new life into the world. Then one day, the wait was over. Eve gave birth to the firstborn of the world, and Eve was the first woman to ever experience the curse of the pain of childbirth. And on the heels of that experience, she was the first mother to ever experience the joy of holding her newborn baby and nursing it. And Eve named that baby Cain, which means I have gotten from God. And Eve gives God the glory for her new baby. And she says, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she saw this birth as a divine blessing from God in her life, in her family, in her world. And then came another baby who they named Abel. And his name means breath or vapor or perishable. Whether um, the name would be prophetic because her second son would perish like a vapor or a breath exhaled into the air. Cain and Abel could have been twins. We don't know for sure. Verse 2 refers to Abel's birth as no mention of a, without a second conception. Whether they were or not really doesn't matter in the story. What matters is the sadness of Adam and Eve over their sin, over their lost fellowship with the Lord. It's somewhat mingled are mitigated by their children. Those babies brought hope into the world, and that must have seemed uh, as a glimmer of hope after they had been expelled from the perfect garden and thought maybe they was hopeless. New life can bring joy and laughter and hope for tomorrow from those tiny wiggling creatures as they come into the world. These two new boys, they grew up in the same household. They had the same parents. They received the same instructions as they uh, saw the same things. They shared the same experiences. But as they grew, they began to emerge into different people. When it came time to choose a job, they both chose honorable vocations. Cain followed his father's footsteps and became a farmer. Abel became a shepherd. Both vocations were important and they helped to sustain their family. At some point, they grew into young adults, and these young men came before the Lord to worship. I'm sure they had been trained by their parents as to how they were to approach God. Can you imagine the kind of evangelists Adam and Eve would have been, those two who had walked with God in the garden, who had uh, been that close to God, how they knew about Him, who He was, and what He wanted? And I'm sure the boys were trained by their parents how to worship God. They knew what it was to walk with Him. They were there when God confronted them over their sin, and He killed this animal and made tunics of skin in Genesis 3.21. I can imagine how they shared with their children. I wonder how many times Adam took them on his knees and told them about God and how he worshipped Him. I wonder how many times Eve warned them, don't listen to that old snake, he'll get you in trouble. 
So in verses 3 and 4, Cain and Abel came before the Lord to make an offering to him. And the Bible says in verse 4 that the Lord had respect for Abel's offering. And in verse 5, but he says unto Cain's offering, he had no respect. The word respect means to look on with approval. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, while Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And God approved of Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's. So what was the difference? Well, there's all kinds of theories about why one offering was accepted and why it was rejected. And it could have been the kind of sacrifice he offered. It could have been the best of the best of the first fruits versus a token offering. It could have been the heart of the one bringing the offering. But what matters is that God accepted Abel's offering and he rejected Cain's that day. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God killed an innocent animal to provide a covering for their nakedness in Genesis 3. When God did that, he chose an innocent substitute to atone for guilty sinners. Yet in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, God told Israel to offer grain offerings of food to thank him for the blessings and acknowledge him as their source of provision. So I, I believe the types of offerings were good. Both were acceptable by the Lord, whether it was an animal sacrifice or the, the, the first of the field. Both were accepted of God in the Bible. And the Garden of Eden established a pattern for approaching God that has never changed. The ultimate sacrifice was made when Jesus Christ came into the world and gave his life for sinners on the cross, shedding his perfect sinless blood to redeem the lost, satisfied the demands of God for their sin, and the sinner was made clean. In 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's one way for man to come to God. From Genesis through Revelation, God's method for cleansing sin has always remained the same. It takes the blood of an innocent sacrifice to cleanse the sinners of their sins. We see this in Eden in Genesis 3. We see it in Egypt in Exodus 12. We see it throughout the long history of worship in Egypt with the high priest, the Day of Atonement, Entering the Holy of Holies with the blood substitution, atoning sacrifice in Leviticus. And finally, we see it on the cross of Calvary when the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the perfect Lamb of God, was sacrificed in the place of sinners. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, that, we, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And in 1 Peter 2.24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. But his, by his wounds we have been healed. And in Hebrews 12, 10.12, it says, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Look at verse 4. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. The word firstling suggests the best. The phrase of the fat thereof speaks of careful preparation of the sacrifice. 
Abel carefully selected the best animal that he had. He took time to prepare the sacrifice, and he brought it before the Lord, and he offered it by faith. It appears that Abel went out of his way to offer the sacrifice that was pleasing to God. I believe there's a difference in true worship and religion. And God don't want our acts of religion. He wants our heart of worship. I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. In Genesis 3.21, God set a pattern for sacrifice. Blood was required. And in Genesis 3.15, God promised that one day a Savior would come. Abel's sacrifice said that he believed God and his faith was accepted by the Lord. All the blood sacrifices of Christ were done in faith, believing that one day God would send a Savior, a perfect and final blood sacrifice for all of humankind. The writer of Hebrews said this about Abel's sacrifice. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, he speaketh. Abel's sacrifice said, I believe you, Lord. I believe that you are coming for us. His sacrifice revealed the condition of his heart. He loved God. He honored God's word. He believed in God's promise to send a Savior. Yet, and according to verse 5, God accepted Abel and his offering. And in 1 John 3, 12, it says that his works were righteous. Abel's faith in God translated to God, accepting Abel and to God, declaring him righteous. Listen. Not one thing that you or I have done for God will matter on Judgment Day unless we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And when you're redeemed by the blood of Jesus and the Lamb of God, everything you have done in His name will count. Cain, on the other hand, is said to have brought of the fruit of the ground, and there's no evidence of faith in the promises of God There is no evidence in the preparation. Cain's offering said, I know what you said, but here's what I'm going to give you. Take it or leave it. Cain's offering was an act of religion and not an act of worship. He was, in essence, saying, my way is just as good as your way. We know of a high archangel that said the same thing to God. He said, I'm going to be God. And he tried to get above God, and he was cast out of heaven for trying to do so. And we know him as Satan or the devil, and he is going to and fro in the earth seeking people to devour. He found out instantly that that way did not work because God rejected his offering. It seemed to me that Cain was merely following a religion or a ritual. There's no love in his heart for God. No gratitude for his blessings. In Abel, there's this acknowledgement of sin and his need of a Savior. In Cain, there's neither. Cain neither acknowledges that he was a sinner or that he needed a Savior because of his lack of faith and dependence on himself. God rejected him in his offering. There's a warning here that you and I need to see. God does not accept our religion. He does not accept our works. He will not accept anything that we do for ourselves to save ourselves. The only thing God accepts 
is what he provides. He will not accept nothing but faith in the atoning sacrifice and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace we have been saved through faith. It's not of our own doing. It's a gift of God. And Hebrews 11 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. You see, Cain was lost in darkness because of his lack of faith in God. Faith was replaced by pride. He refused faith, which unlocks God's gift of salvation, and trusted his own ways to save himself. Listen, there's only one way to receive salvation. There's only one way to have your sins blotted out. There's only one way to become a child of God. There's only one way for God to hear and answer your prayers. There's only one way to receive the blessings of God. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that's by receiving God's grace, which is freely given to anyone who believes in faith that Jesus is God's only son, that he died on the cross for your sins, and that God raised him from the dead, and you will have faith in your heart. You confess it with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you receive the gift of salvation that is freely given from God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Anything short of that is rejection of the gospel of grace and rejection of God. So what does your heart say this morning? Have you faith in Jesus Christ received, by faith in Jesus Christ, received the free gift of salvation from God? Are you trusting Jesus and what he did as the only hope for your salvation? Or is your hope of salvation based on the things you have offered God, like coming to church on Sunday morning, being good and helping others, giving tithes and offerings to the church? If that's what it's based on, you're not going to make it. Things like good works, religious deeds, good life, church membership, baptism, never save. Matthew 7, 21 and 23, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will come into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many on that day will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many works in your name? And then I will declare them to them that I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I'm afraid there will be many people who are sorely disappointed on that day when they miss salvation in heaven by 15 inches, the distance from their head to their heart. You see, the way of the world, which is the crowd that Jesus was talking to that day in Matthew 5, in Matthew 5 on the mountainside, Jesus told them that day that he was the fulfillment of the law. And they... They were following uh, the very laws that they were following, and they needed to follow him. You see, God's plan is simple. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. Secondly, the ways of the world are characterized by an unrepentant heart. As soon as Cain realized that his offering had been rejected by God, the Bible says, his countenance fell. That means his whole demeanor changed. He became indignant and depressed. He could not understand why God would not accept his offering, but accept his brother Abel's offering. 
But God knew what was in Cain's heart. So in verse six, six, verses 6 and 7, God speaks to Cain and asks him why he's so upset. The word rot in verse 5 and 6 means to burn with anger and jealousy. God tells Cain in verse 7 that if he did what was right, he would be accepted too. God wasn't telling Cain to bring the right sacrifice. He was telling him to bring the right heart. Because see, God sees our heart and he knows our heart and he knows what's in our heart. And so God warns him that sin is like a wild beast crouching, ready to pounce, lying just outside the door. That beast is waiting to pounce on Cain and devour him. And if Cain will come to God, God's way, he can have power over the beast. But if he doesn't change and repent and honor God's way, then sin will control him. We know which way Cain chose, right? He refused to repent. He chose his own way over God's way, and he refused to love the Lord. He refused to walk in God's plan, and sin consumed him. Every unbeliever who has passed through the world since Cain has had the same problem. They possess an unrepentant heart. The lost sinner is a slave to sin and Satan. Ephesians 2, 1 and 3. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. God calls every lost person to repent of their sins, to turn to Him and walk in His way, not the ways of the world. That is the only path that leads to heaven. All other roads lead to hell. If you're lost, you need to know that sin will consume you until you turn from your sins and repent of them and turn to God. You may think you're calling the shots in life. You may think you're the master of your own destiny, but the truth is very different. Sin is deceptive and a cruel master. It will lead you along its pleasures and entice you with its promises, but at last it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder, Proverbs 23, 32. The path of sin is always leading with disillusionment, defeat, and death. The path of sin always leads in the opposite direction of peace and hope and joy. The path of sin always ends in the fires of hell. But there's a remedy for sin, and that remedy is Jesus Christ. Jesus went to the cross to die for sinners and for sin. He gave his life so that you might be given new life. He came to those like Abel who understand they need a Savior, and he came for the lost. Mark 2.17 says, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I did not come for the righteous, but I came for the sinners to repentance. God cannot help someone like Cain. No one can. The person who refuses to acknowledge his spiritual condition, who refuses to repent of sin, cannot and will not be saved. Only those who walk in the, all those who walk in the ways of the world are lost and remain that way and are characterized by an unrepentant heart. 
The final point is the ways of the world are characterized by an ungodly heart. These last few verses of our text demonstrate the outcome of sin. In, in Cain's case, as in the case of others, other sins, the condition of the heart determined the course of their life. The, the beast of sin pounced on Cain and devoured his heart and his conscience and his love for his brother. And notice how it manifested himself in his life. Verse 8 tells us that Cain murdered his brother. Why did Cain kill Abel? Because he was jealous. Abel had something that Cain could not acquire. Abel had found favor with God because he had faith. Abel had faith, relationship with God, and unbelievers always demonstrate animosity and anger towards people of faith. Back in verse 5, the Bible says that Cain was angered by God's rejection of his offering, and Cain was angry with God, whom he could not kill. So he was jealous of his brother, who he could kill, and he did kill him. Cain's hatred of God's hatred of God manifested itself in his hatred hatred of his brother, and the anger towards God in his heart revealed itself in the murder of his brother. In verse nine, God comes to Cain and he asks him about Abel. This is the same thing that God did when Adam and Eve were walking in the garden and had fell into sin. In Genesis three nine, God came looking for the fallen couple and he says, "Where are you?" Cain answered the Lord with a lie. He said, I don't know. I don't know where I am. This is another indication that sin had taken control of his heart and his life. He answers the Lord with some sarcasm then, and he says, am I my brother's keeper? In verse 2, Abel is called the keeper of the sheep. Cain says to God, I am not his shepherd. He's not my responsibility. Cain is saying to God, since you love him so much, why don't you take care of him? In verse 10, God tells Cain that he knows what he did. And he said that Abel's blood was crying out to him from the ground where it was shed. The blood of Abel was not silent. It cried out for justice, and justice was what Cain needed. Or justice was what Cain received, sorry. What I want you to see is this fundamental biblical truth. The condition of the heart determines the course of your life. What is seen in the life externally is a revelation of the character of the internal heart. In Cain's life, sin manifested its control in anger and jealousy and hatred and murder and lying. And all those actions proved that Cain possessed an unredeemed heart. While we're not to stand in judgment of other people, this truth still applies today in everybody we know. The life always reveals the condition of the heart. As a pastor, I see many people coming through the doors of this church and professing Jesus Christ as Lord, following through in the believer's baptism, and even joining the church. But their lives never change. Their Facebook posts are the same as they were before their salvation. Their hate and rage still manifest itself in other actions. They still have the same old friends, they still go to the same old places, and they still fall into the same old snares of the devil. With Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it is not so. For repentance is the mark of salvation. 
We can profess to anything, but the truth of what we are is revealed in the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we think, the way we worship God. If everybody that comes through those doors professing Jesus Christ were true believers, then this church would not contain them all. It would bust at the seams. But look around you. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it come all the issues of life. Matthew 12, 34 and 35 says, O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart your mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. So what does your walk say about you? In conclusion, verses 11 and th through 13 the rest of Cain's tragic story, Cain is punished by God, and the ground is cursed for him. God is saying, your sin has poisoned the earth against you. No matter where you go, no matter how hard you work, the earth that swallowed your brother's blood will stand in testimony against you, and it will not honor your work with fruit. In addition to that, you will be a fugitive and a wanderer for the rest of your days. Verse 13 lets us know that Cain recognized the severity of his punishment and he paid a high price for his sin. All the days of his life, he had to walk in the ways of the world. He was banished from his home and his family. He was consigned to a horrible, desperate existence and it would be hell on earth and it would end in eternal hell. The name Cain appears in the Bible 20 times in 17 verses and his name appears only three times in the New Testament and each time it appears it's used in a negative way. In the New Testament in John, uh, 1 John 3.12 it says, Not as Cain, who was, who was of the wicked one, slew his brother. That verse tells us the ultimate fate of Cain. He was of that wicked one. He walked in the ways of the world. Now here's a sobering thought. Cain was the first child born into this world. He, were born to, he was born to parents who were obviously not perfect, but who knew God. He, parents who had walked with God, parents who taught him the truth. He had a brother who knew God, who knew how to approach God, yet Cain was a lost man, and in the end, the first baby in the world most likely died and went to hell. Don't let this happen to you. Don't walk in the ways of Cain. You need a Savior, and there's only one. His name is Jesus Christ. He died on the cross to open the way of salvation for you. And if you come to God by faith through Him, you will be accepted by God. Your sins will be forgiven and you will be saved. If you try to go to heaven another way, you will die in your sins and you will go to hell for eternity. John 14, 6 again, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you need to change your walk and start walking with God and not walking according to the ways of this world? If you're here this morning and you want to walk with God, I'm going to voice a prayer in just a few minutes. And if you pray the same words and believe in faith that God will save you 
And when you say these words from your heart, you will be saved. If you're watching on live stream and you pray this prayer with me, believing in your heart that Jesus died for you, God, and God raised him from the dead, you too will be saved. Today is the day of salvation. If you're, if you're saved, thank God for grace and for his salvation. Our world is filled with people who are walking in the ways of Cain. If you're one of them, come to Christ and be saved today. If you pray this prayer and have faith that God heard you, and you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're here this morning, I pray that you come up here to this altar and you confess to these people what God has done in your life. Because Jesus says, and the Bible says, confession is made with the mouth unto salvation. And every person that Jesus called, he calls publicly. And the Bible says that if you're ashamed of God, he's ashamed of you. But if you're publicly open with what God has done in your life, the angels in heaven rejoice with you. God calls us to change our walk, to walk upon our salvation. And the first step is public confession. The second step is baptism. And then it's to walk with God every day in repentance. We don't go back to the same old life, the same old people, the same old places with the same old heart. Everything is new and we're different. Would you pray with me? Father God, this morning you may have spoke to someone's heart that's never asked you to come and live in them. And Lord, you say if we pray in faith, believing that you're God's only son, that you died for us and that we have sin and we confess that sin and you will cleanse us from all of our sin and we ask you to come and live in us and be our Lord and Savior. Then you save us and you place your Holy Spirit in us. So Lord, this morning, I want to pray that prayer. And if that's your decision, if you want to ask Jesus to come into your heart and live in you and be your Lord and Master, I pray that you pray this prayer after me. You say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I have sin in my heart. And I want you to come into my heart and cleanse me of all my sin. I believe that you're God's only son. And I believe that you died for me and my sin. I want you to come into my heart and I want you to be Lord of my life. I believe that you're alive because God raised you from the dead and you're seated at the right hand of God the Father making intercession for this very prayer. I love you, Lord. Thank you for saving me. And if you prayed that prayer from your heart, you received the Holy Spirit and salvation and you're now a child of God. And you want to repent and turn away from your sins. You want to walk with God every day. And the first thing that God calls us to do is to make that public and come and confess Him before people. 
And when we confess him before people, he confesses us before the Father which is in heaven. And then follow through in a believer's baptism and join a local body of believers and go to work for the Lord. Because every work done after that counts. Believers, if God has spoken to your heart this morning and you've slipped back into some of the ways of the world, I pray that you repent. I pray that you turn away from that and turn back to the ways of God and walk with Him. He knows our heart. He knows everything about us. I pray that as God has spoken to you this morning, you respond to Him during this invitation time, and we'll give God all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll be singing page 300. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's podcast. Our prayer is that if you are touched by this message, that you will respond with action. If you would like to accept Christ as your Lord, we ask that you pray the following prayer. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I do not deserve eternal life, but I believe that you died and rose from the grave to make me a new creation and to prepare me to dwell in your presence forever. Jesus, come into my life, take control of my life, forgive my sins, and save me. I am now placing my trust in you alone for my salvation, and I accept your free gift of eternal life. If you prayed this prayer with us today, then you know that you are truly saved. We'd love to hear from you so that we might connect in a meaningful way, encouraging you to be active in the local church, and share the same saving message of Jesus Christ. Please feel free to contact our pastor, visit our church, or find a Bible-believing local congregation near you. However you respond, please let us know.